Hey everybody, Joe here. Just want to point out before this episode begins that my audio sounds a little iffy because my microphone died. Just like the hopes of a LeClaire championship. Anyways, hope you enjoyed this episode. Welcome to Stateside F1. I'm Joe Leonardo. Yeah. Room, room, room. That man making the, I will say, Alfa Romeo noises, I feel Ooh. like. As long as it's not upside down. Is Andrew Berger, the one, the only. How are you guys doing? And we're talking French Grand Prix. We are joined by a friend of the pod, my brother, Matthew Berger. Friend of the pod first, then brother. Yes. Avid F1 fan. Probably has the most knowledge of Formula One of Joe and I and the three people right here. And also is the director of Terrier Motorsport. So Matthew's got some credits. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. So Joe. Yes. Paul Ricard Circuit. Normally considered more boring of races, but this one was super exciting. Oh my God. It was heartbreaks and 808s. That's a great way to put it. Let's start with qualifying. The whole uh, signs thing, giving the toe to Leclerc, so fun to watch. I saw some great memes after that where it showed it showed Leclerc pulling a, like a giant yacht with signs behind him. It was, we'll show notes it. It's a plus meme. How fair do you think that meme is? I think very fair. I think there was no way he was going to get pole position without that toe, just based on the track, because the track's very flat. So it really depends who's got the speed in the corners and on the straights. Well, at least from what Verstappen was saying, the toe didn't play that big of an effect for Leclerc. But I mean, who knows? True. I think it was a very smart play by Ferrari to utilize signs as grid penalties and give Leclerc the toe when, when they could. They realized that they had an advantage there. And regardless, even Kevin Magnussen with the new Ferrari electronics uh, control unit that they put in there, that they had so much more pace. And it's very, very telling for the rest of the Ferrari customer teams for the rest of the season. The most interesting part about that was Sainz had to make it to Q3. You're right. So he had to do well because he really... And he was starting at the back of the grid anyways, no matter what. So he didn't have to perform. It would have been a safer bet for the car to just not have him really try. And then you're, you're not risking any issues with the car or any yeah. crashes or anything like that. But him really pushing it, making it to Q3 to allow that toe to happen. I mean, that's great teamwork on the part of Ferrari. Too bad Ferrari themselves just stand in the way of any success that can possibly come out of Ferrari. I mean, I guess skipping to the race for a moment because he got a five-second penalty and Ferrari called him in. And again, signs was similar to Vettel where he was making the the decisions. He's like, no, I'm not coming in yet. Yeah, he, he literally, he, first he asked to go in before overtaking. We'll, we'll jump to this later on, but yeah, I, I, this is such a huge part. First, he asked to come in. I think he was, he was uh, fighting Perez at that point. Mm-hmm. Yes. He asked to come in. Ferrari said, no, stay out. He passes Perez and then like, okay, come in. And he's like, wait a minute. I'm doing good on these tires. They can probably last. Why do you want to pull me in? They pull him in. And even uh, Joylin, what's his name? Joylin Palmer. Palmer. Right. Yeah, he was on the, just, 
I don't understand this decision making. Why? Why are you guys doing this? Jumping back to qualifying very quickly, I just want to mention this. We're in France. Ocon, Gasly, couldn't even make it to Q3. Uh, yeah, and they had their own grandstands. So sad. And also, I mentioned this in the last episode, sold out in 15 minutes, the French Grand Prix. I think it was 15 seconds, actually. F- 15 seconds, yes. So fast. So sad. And I, I, I silently root for Pierre Gasly. I think he is just one of the underdogs of Formula One. I think he almost reminds me of some level of a Danny Rick, where he he's just so good. He's not necessarily goofy like Danny Rick, but he just he he doesn't feel like a champion to me. He doesn't feel like he's there's just something he doesn't have. But if he had the right car, he just got upgrades. Yeah, but it would be game over. He, but he's in the Toro Rosso or the Alpha Tauri, excuse me. There's no way that car is equal to the Red Bull car. That's I don't believe that. But best of the rest is still something he can jockey for. I think the AlphaTauri definitely does not have the pace to be to be best of the rest. Uh, but I do want to give a big shout out for, uh, in qualifying for Yuki Tsunoda for getting P8. It was very impressive. He just barely eked out his teammate uh, to make it into Q2, uh, Pierre Gasly, of course. And he was able to continue on to Q3 and did a phenomenal job, I think, getting that AlphaTauri up there, which didn't I don't think deserve to, to be there necessarily on pure pace. 100%. Yuki, I feel like, has so much potential. He seems very young, just temperament-wise and everything. Uh, he needs to control his emotions more, but that's something I feel like at his age, he's only going to get better with time, and it's not like he's in his late 20s when he's dealing with this. How old is Yuki? He's very young. And is he like 22? It's Google. Googly Google. Googly Google. Google telling me what's up. 22 years old, May 11th, the year 2000 is his birthday. Wow, I, I'm older than him. That, that's kind of crazy to say. <laughs> and what have we done with our lives? I know. I was 14 when he was born. Oh. I was already smoking weed. <laughs> <laughs> cool <Yeah>. story, bro. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm cool like that. <laughs> I think the best part for Yuki Tsunoda is uh, he's got the whole country of Japan backing him, right? And uh, he's, you know, while it's a couple of years removed from the pure Honda power unit, Red Bull is still using the, the base uh, technology from that. And I think it's great for, for them as a nation to be able to re- get behind one driver and root for him. Similar to Zhou Guan Yu, the first Chinese driver. A lot riding in his shoulders. I feel like he has a lot of pressure on him. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I mean... I think he could be a great driver, though, to be honest. I really do. 100%. I mean, just shaking off that crash at Silverstone is huge. Right. Yeah, that was very impressive. I wouldn't get back. I would be so shaky. I would be on the on the tarmac going like 25 miles an hour, like Ricky Bobby screaming. Like, <laughs> ah, I'm going so fast. Well, to, to quote the famous Netflix show, these drivers have a fighter pilot mentality. It's mm. true. It's so true. And to quote that same show, we're looking like a bunch of wankers. <laughs> Gunther Steiner is my hero. So, leaving qualifying, we had uh, Charles Leclerc in the Ferrari. First position, uh, Max Verstappen two, Sergio Perez, Checo Perez, number three, Lewis Hamilton number four, Lando Norris number five. Let's head into the race. What did you think of Lewis Hamilton's jump on Perez? 
That was amazing. And without any water, his water bottle wasn't working. You're right. Yeah. So he literally in the cool down room after the race was like lying on his back because he was so dehydrated. I'm surprised he even did those post interviews. It's such a heat wave over there in Europe right now. I really cannot believe that he was able to sustain that. Uh, I know these drivers are at peak athletic performance and they're able to race in such humid countries like Singapore as well. But able to be able to do this in such a heat wave, uh, I think the track temperature was in the 60s degrees Celsius wild. in France. And uh, Hamilton was able to get through without his drink. So uh, wild. I will say, although that is very impressive, I do know that back in, I think, 2002 or 2004 maybe it's honestly kind of funny david coulthard was racing he's a former red bull driver incredible he he's a correspondent for at some races he does some uh interviews he he had a stomach virus during a race and he was about to come in to just like dnf because he was like just it was just not happening for him that day and I heard him on the radio. He's like, oh, no, man, I'm going to I'm going to lose it. And he just like you hear him. He like throws up in his helmet and and oh. he keeps going. <laughs> oh, no. oh, yeah, man. Uh. I'm really sorry to correct you, Andrew. It was Mark Weber who did who threw up in his helmet. Oh, see, this is why we need an expert. <laughs> this is the reason why we have Matthew on is for these. We've got to know when this when someone vomits in their helmet, we need to know who the exact <laughs> person is. Thank you for being on today. We, we should fantastic. look for the video and sh- and show notes it. Show notes it. Oh, yeah. and let's clarify what show notes means uh, <laughs> because we've had many questions come on in. People are asking, where are these show notes? Uh, they're in the description of the episode. So, you know, if you're listening on Spotify, it's in the description. Same with Apple Podcasts. And then everything's in like hyperlinks. Perfect. Thank you, Joe. You're welcome. Just doing my civic duty. <laughs> I think we were on for a really good race going into it. Uh, we saw a really great fight out front with Leclerc and Verstappen. And then the most unfortunate thing happened. Oh yeah. God. Leclerc just, I, 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 he overcooked it. He lost the rear and he just, he couldn't, it was, it was awful. Even Max Verstappen was upset that he couldn't have a great battle with Leclerc. He asked if he was okay. I, yeah. I, will, I will say this. He was complaining that it, it was the same throttle issue that was happening in Austria. Do we know how true that is? I don't think that was true. Um, when right after the crash, um, Leclerc. By the way, when you, Andrew and I were watching this on our phones this weekend, and we even noticed um, before the crash that the Ferrari's rear was very squirrely during the race. Whether it was a tire temperature thing or a setup, whatever it was, the rear was very squirrely. Um, so then after the crash, very unfortunate. Uh, Leclerc said he cannot jump on throttle. And I think that was in reference to him not being able to back out of the tire barriers. Um, the car maybe was buried a little bit. You know, these aren't the tech pro barriers. These are old, more old fashioned tire barriers because it's an older track and he wasn't able to get his car unstuck. What Matthew, what, what are tech pro barriers? I'm glad you asked, Andrew. Tech Pro Barriers are the new... Guys, we didn't set up these questions ahead of time. We sound like we're doing like a bad fault, like a back of the wagon sales of a snake snake oil salesman. Like, well, that tonic looks mighty fine. I'm just a commoner in this village who wants to know more. Anyways, oh, God. <laughs> well, it's I very... do want to know the answer to this. 
it's very important. Uh, tech for barriers are one of the latest and greatest in safety standard technology for Formula One. Uh, and the FIA now mandates them at every new part of every track that's built uh, from here on out. And um, it absorbs the impact uh, over a wide area. So um, there's less G-forces on the driver uh, there, them, themselves. And uh, that's about all I know. I don't know the exact technical details, unfortunately. What's the most G-forces a driver has taken? I'm sure there's a number on it. Um, there were talks that Roman Grosjean in his crash in 2019, I think it was, or maybe that was 2020, um, that it was upwards of 30 Gs. Uh, but there's also been very quick moments in, in other crashes, like Max Verstappen in Monaco in 2015 or 16, when um, drivers could experience for a split second uh, over 100 Gs uh, and, and survive. The Senna crash... It's on YouTube. It doesn't look that bad, but it's it's the the, the G forces are probably it's so intense. Your your brain because your brain is moving at that speed. It's your skull at that speed, and that's what stops it and just causes hemorrhaging. Right. That that's why the Hans device was created. So uh, your neck your neck is not able to uh, um, break itself essentially because uh, you know the helmets are really heavy. So anytime you move your neck, it, it has a chance of breaking sometimes. And um, it also slows down the the uh, deceleration for for the head, so y- your brain is more likely to to be okay. But it's still very scary, of course. Ugh. I mean, these guys are Andrew. You said it in a previous episode; they're like gladiators, you know. Yeah, it's wild. And that's why Joe and I are going to go go karting <laughs> in the future, just to to experience the G forces. Yes, we want to get that one to two G. <laughs> we want to feel like kind of a fast elevator. That's the G's we're going after. Hey, man, fast elevators, you know, you get stuck in those. Have true. A moment of panic. That's very true. That's enough for, uh, for, for Joe and I, I think. Hey, let's talk about uh, K-Mags. Great start. I will say that at the start of the race, because he was back at the grid. He started 20th, and yeah. he jumped up to 13th right off the line. I was like rooting. I wrote in all caps in my phone, K-Mags, exclamation point, exclamation point. And then he was out by lap 40. I would say, honestly, in total, although it was, a, it was an exciting race for Mercedes, it was a, it was a, a sad race for me. <laughs> Can you explain? <laughs> we lost K-Mag. We lost Leclerc. I think we lost Schumacher. My food delivery was late. <laughs> Did we no Mick? Yeah, Mick was DNF. Latifi was DNF. Magnuson, Leclerc, obviously. Sonoda. And you no, no, no. Also. Schumacher was fifteenth. Yeah, Mick, Mick was classified, um, but he was caught up with a, a tussle with uh, Zhou Guan Yu, and uh, towards the end, basically um, what Russell uh, did. Uh, oh yeah. At, was it Austria? The same little touch of the tire. Yes. And also uh, Vettel, when he was on like the last two turns, when he was behind Stroll, Stroll, d- did Stroll brake test him or was he just holding him back? I, I, so you're talking about the uh, very last ter- very last corner of the Grand Prix for, for both Aston Martins. They're both vying for the 10th position that uh, coveted one point for, for both drivers. And uh, Stroll was... Uh, going into the corner, and based on the telemetry that I've seen and analyzed, I don't think he brake tested Sebastian. Even it may have looked like it, but um, from what I saw, basically 
Stroll did not go onto the power uh, at the normal time like he normally would. He came on the power a little bit late, which caught Vettel off guard. So he got very close to him and maybe made some contact, but it was hard for me to tell. And um, understandably, um, Sebastian was very mad and uh, let his feelings be, be heard by all. I think Signs is the hero of the race. He got driver of the day. Deservedly. A hundred percent. He started uh, 19th, obviously. Um, and then he ended fifth. It was incredible. He That showed that he he's a driver. Well, obviously he's a talented driver, but he, he can do it. He just worked. He milked it, baby. Yeah. Even with his team working against him. Yeah. It, making the dumbest calls in history. I I don't see the allure of being on on a Ferrari driver anymore. They're so inconsistent. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they're coming off of a bad year last year and they're still kind of like in their heads about it. Who knows? Well, the unfortunate thing is uh, since Vettel joined Ferrari in 2014, they've been really trying to get a championship. And the team principal at the time, um, and this is fast forwarding a little bit, maybe towards 2017 or 2018, towards the end of the season, um, Arriva Bene had said they need to develop a winning culture in Ferrari. And not only is that extremely vague and uh, also very frightening, you know, um, what, what do you need to do if, if, you're, if you're Ferrari and you're <laughs> completely well-known throughout the entire world, what else do you need to do to win a championship? Uh, we've had this conversation in past episodes. I feel like they focus on their brand and don't focus 100% on the racing. Red Bull literally puts everything into Horner and Horner just focuses on racing and doesn't have to worry about the Red Bull brand. And I think that is the reason why the reason why Red Bull can be more focused. I find it ironic that Ferrari these days is so into their brand versus when Ferrari originally started the Ferrari brand. His whole reason for building a road car was to fund his racing passion. And now it feels like the opposite. Well, I feel like that's one man's philosophy versus a corporate team's philosophy. So when a company starts off and it's one person who basically controls every decision and doesn't have to worry about delegating any uh, decision making, you can say whatever the hell you want to say. You know, when it's a corporate structure and now you have tiers of uh, different people at different middle management positions making a bunch of small decisions it's not as cohesive. The vision isn't singular. So you end up with a behemoth. I mean, the company's so Ferrari is the, when you think formula one, if you don't know what formula one is, you don't even know what racing is. You know, if you barely know what a car is, you know what a Ferrari, you know, Ferrari. Yes, that's right. Ferrari brand awareness is best out of all racing. Is that fair to say? I would agree. I would absolutely agree. Not only the red color, but that that uh, prancing horse, the prancing horse yellow badge is famous everywhere, all around the world. Yeah, people buy Ferrari shirts and they, you know, ride the subway their whole lives. Yeah, they're yeah. they're a, they're a lifestyle brand now. A hundred percent. So when you have a corporate culture like that, it's easy for things to go many different ways. That's my soapbox. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna give a very hot take. Uh, opposed to both of your thoughts on this. I think that the brand of Ferrari in Formula One is too attached 
from their corporate brand, uh, Fiat and Stellantis. Now, um, I think people in charge of Ferrari are uh, not only they're obsessed with racing, they're Italian, they're, you know, Ferrari is in their blood, but they just don't have the talent and don't have the balls to, to change that and to put the right people in play. Um, I think when Ross Braun was running the show, when Gene Tott was running the show, they were the best team on the grid for a decade. And now they're trying to bring in more in-house or more Italians, whatever it may be. And this is a very hot take, by the way. How do you say hot and Italian? Caliente. That's Caliente? Spanish. That's Spanish. Spanish. Picante. Ooh, picante take. <laughs> It's funny Matthew mentions Ross Braun. He he has a high position now in the FIA, but along with his success with Ferrari, he also had Braun GP in 2009 where they won the Constructors and the World Drivers Championship with Jensen Button due to their double diffuser. But actually that team, Braun GP, has the best uh, record in Formula One because the only year they were entered in Formula One, they won the World Championship, and that team actually became Mercedes. Mm. Speaking of Mercedes, last topic I want to hit, George Russell pushing Checo off the track, and then Total Wolf having to come onto the radio to tell him to stay focused. And I got to say this, I feel like George Russell's getting a little annoying. I feel we, like he's a little reckless too. We always knew he was going to be annoying though. I just, I, I felt it in the force. He, <laughs> he's like that. He's that one student in the class that's so smart and he gets every question right. But you're just like, shut up already, man. Like, I Are know you're saying you know, George Russell is the type of guy. George Russell, yeah. Russell, dot, dot, dot. George Russell is the type of guy to race very hard and win. And you're mad about it. Everyone's <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> Except for Valtteri Bottas, who totally missed the boat on the meme. Yeah, he was like, he's the type of person that... And then he brought up like some incident that happened. He's like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And then he like smiled, and then you can tell in his eyes he has no idea what's going on. Sometimes I look at uh, Bottas's face, and I'm just like, this man is like 50% aware. He's like, uh, he's like a living being who's like kind of sentient, but not fully. <laughs> If that makes sense, he left half his uh, half his consciousness in the uh, in that in river. The, yeah, yeah, in the sauna in uh, in Finland. I think yeah. it's I think it's his uh, finished part of him. I think Kimi Räikkönen was the same similar way in so many ways. Uh, I will say this about George Russell, not to be so uh, mean to him. Awesome move he pulled on Chekhov from the safety car when he just gunned it. I don't know if it's because. He was slowing down in front of him to keep that gap, but Georgie Boy basically pulled off really quickly and was able to overtake him. I think that was lap 51 I wrote down. Hopefully yeah, on the race right. restart. Yeah, I totally agree. Russell had a great restart and jumped uh, Perez. I think Perez was in the middle of the corner and tried to give it acceleration and um, maybe didn't realize Max was going to go when he did. Um, and caught Perez off guard a little bit and got some wheel spin, which gave George the the easy getaway to, to, to pass him, which was phenomenal. Awesome. All right, let's move on to predictions. All right, Joe, lay it on me. All right, I'm starting first. I'm going to say pole from qualifying, Max. For race, first place, I'm going to say Max. Easy, easy bets. 
second, I'm going to put Lewis there just because he said in, uh, in the post interview of the previous race that it's one of his favorite tracks. So I feel like he's really focused on this one. And also when someone says it's their favorite track, that means they're good at it. So I'm throwing him second. Uh, and third, I'm putting Perez. That's fair. That, yeah, I, I'm getting getting bothered by all the Red Bull sandwiches, the Red Bull. I, They're just too good. Red Bull's a great team, and Verstappen is amazing, and so is Perez, but I, I love seeing a champion being dethroned. That's, that's what 2022 is about for me. Uh, all right, Matthew, what's, uh, what are your predictions? So I'm with you there, Joe. I think Verstappen is going to grab pull. I think there's not m- many cars faster, maybe barring the, the Claire Ferrari uh, in qualifying. And for the race, I think not only am I high on this uh, Spanish juice of uh, Carlos Sainz, but I think I think he's going to have a redemption arc. <laughs> I think he has a redemption arc, and with that new power unit in his car, he's going to have a lot of pace in, in the race and, and grab the win. And then I think it, to round out the podium, it will be Perez and Leclerc. Andrew, what are your predictions? So for Quali, I'm saying Verstappen. Because the Red Bull car is just so consistent. For the race, though, I want to say Leclerc because I want to see the redemption redemption arc. And then in second place, George Russell because he's the kind of guy that would come in second instead of first. And third, I want to say Verstappen. Cool. I like it. It's bold, but uh, that's what I'm going with. Yes or no answer. Is Leclerc out for the driver standings? Do you think he can come back? There's plenty of the season to go. There's a uh, little less than half of it. Just barely less, though. I think he still has the chance to, to get there if uh, if Ferrari gets their shit together. He may have a chance if, if Ferrari gets their uh, car together during the summer break, which is coming up. So we'll have, what, two weeks of no Formula One, which is probably... The like the saddest part of the year for me. But we're gonna go karting sometime during those two weeks, and that's gonna be an episode. So stay tuned. Yes. Um, I will say no. He can't come back. Ferrari's not gonna get their stuff together. Put my foot down. Meme of the week. I'm gonna say the McLaren video with um, Danny Rick and Lando cooking crepes. I'll put it in the show notes. Those two are clowns. <laughs> They're like brothers. At first, I thought Lando hated Dan- Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, <laughs> I've said that multiple times, but man, those two are lost brothers. They really are. Ever since they had their uh, press conference together during Lando's rookie season in 2019, um, Lewis was answering some question. I forget what race this was. And uh, Ricardo was talking to Lando, made some joke about his pubic hair or something like that. And Lando was laughing hysterically. And uh, I think ever since then, they we there was always a, uh, a, a ship to have them both together. And it eventually happened to McLaren. Everyone's just excited to, to see their off-track friendship and grow. And it's great, great to see that they're making crepes and having a lot of fun. There's another McLaren video where they have to like whisper words to each other, but wear headphones so they have to read their lips. And at one point, Daniel Ricardo goes, I've been in bigger bushes than you or something. Uh, it is, and they just both die laughing. It's so genuine, and I love to see it. I'll, I'll bring up this other controversial, uh, this news that I heard another episode. Ooh. But um, meme of the week, honestly, I, 
I'm going to stick with the, the, the boat pulling from Ferrara. I mean, they had a lot of different iterations, but it really struck home when, uh, when it showed that signs was pulling the team together, getting Leclerc on pole. Love it. What about you, Matthew? Okay, I think I need to bring this up. Uh, after the Claire's crash, his scream and anger and despair sounded like his soul was leaving his body. And I think it has to be mentioned. It, it was a crazy scream. And, and even I already felt heartbroken, but I wanted to cry after that scream. I made a TikTok. Yes. Making fun of that scream. <laughs> so follow Stateside F1 podcast on TikTok. All right, I'm going to do the outro. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to Stateside F1. Please like, comment, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your sweet, sweet podcast content. Follow us on Instagram at Stateside F1 and also TikTok at Stateside F1 Podcast. And feel free to message us. DM us memes, comments, questions, suggestions, etc. We will respond and follow you back. Thanks, everybody. Later. Bye-bye. I always wave. I just, it feels, <laughs> even though <laughs> no,